You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Direct from our central London studio, here's your host, Rory Havelock. This week on the Ticker Podcast, are there soon to be more Chinese IROs, what Pacific Rim can teach us about IR, and a look at the worldwide stock market slide. Welcome back to the Ticker Podcast. It's a weekly roundup of the top stories from around the investor relations world, and I'm joined this week in a pod that hasn't been so full for weeks. Tim Human, Condice de Montpetit, and Garnet Roach are here. Good morning, guys. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Condice, of course, you're fresh back from um, exciting holidays and raring to go, obviously. Um, you found and sent around a really amazing story earlier on this week about um, investors taking activism to a bit of a new level. Uh, it's the news that the CEO of the Fanya Metals Exchange... I'm going to mangle this pronunciation, but I think it's Shan Lang. Does that sound about right, Condice? Shan Lang. Got captured by hundreds of disgruntled investors who bundled the guy up and delivered him into a police station because they were so disappointed that they'd lost um, what was estimated to be about $6 billion um, thanks to their investments in the Fanya Metals Exchange, which is a bit of an extreme thing. There are photos in a news story of him being, you know, literally grabbed by about 20 people and having his shirt ripped off. The story I've got says that um, investors from around the nation joined the capture, having planned it using messaging apps and social media. They surrounded the Fanya founder as he attempted to check out of the hotel, manhandled him into a private car and delivered him to the nearest police station. We could do a feature in the next magazine about um, what to do when your CEO gets kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah, well, CEO kidnapping might be a a bit of an extreme way of seeking corporate access. Mm -hmm. Um, However, we can only hope that the the recent market crash in China will be a wake-up call for companies that don't have an IR department or those who have no track record in communication communicating with the market. As Sarah Croshaw from Headhunter Taylor Bennett points out, the number of uh, organizations with a dedicated IR function is relatively low in China right now. Some mega-cap companies uh, have no one solely dedicated to IR, while um, other smaller ones will have a a fairly advanced IR function. So there's no set pattern here, and uh, it's going to depend uh, very much on uh, a company's leadership. So other than avoiding getting kidnapped, what are CEOs in the region waiting for to bring in more IROs? Well, with a lot of family-owned and state-owned businesses, firms often have a complex ownership structure, and she says, quote, very little need to address the concept of shareholder value. Often, IR is just not deemed as critical as it should be. She also says the requirements for transparency are simply not as established as they are in the Western markets, and she compares local practices with those in Australia, where, quote, the regulatory environment is much more stringent. Uh, So by that reckoning, should all these English-speaking IROs in Hong Kong be heading for Sydney then? Well, maybe not yet. It's true there are a lot of IROs based in Hong Kong and that those looking for career development are often disappointed by the lack of proper opportunities. But there's hope if you look at the numbers. When you take the Hong Kong Stock Exchange combined with the Shanghai and Shenzhen markets, you get a larger number of listed companies than on the London Stock Exchange, for instance. And the combination of those three Asian stock markets uh, rank third in terms of combined market cap after the NICE and NASDAQ. So even though the Chinese stock market apparently has crashed this week, there might be more jobs for IROs then? Well, indeed, uh, with a new stock connect between Shanghai and Hong Kong and another one expected to open with Shenzhen at the end of the year, uh, more and more foreigners are expected to be active on the market. So that will surely trigger more demand for disclosure and transparency and therefore more jobs for local IROs. Well, more on that um, apparent slide in stock markets all around the world coming up now with Tim, who has been looking at the impact it might have on IR around the world too. Yeah, it's obviously been a very um, wild week of trading, uh, driven by worries over China's economy and also the big stock market declines we saw in China um, at the start of the week. Um, when we're talking now, uh, the Chinese market's actually closed and it's down almost 8% uh, since Monday. 
Uh, Europe and the US also fell heavily at the start of the week, but have since recovered some of their losses. And has there been a lot of activity on behalf of market authorities and regulators and so on uh, to try and calm the market down? Yeah, it's been an interesting week to watch how some of the new rules brought in to keep a handle on market volatility are working. Uh, On Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, the New York Stock Exchange uh, brought out a little used rule called uh, inventively Rule 48. It allows designated market makers to get trading started more quickly. Uh, Normally, they will disseminate prices before trading starts. But that's obviously very difficult at times of um, high volatility. US stocks still fell dramatically on Monday morning. The Dow Jones lost over a thousand points initially. Um, But the aim of Rule 48 isn't really to prevent that kind of fall. It's just to allow it to happen in a more orderly fashion. So hopefully it did help a little bit in, in in that situation. Market watchers also got the chance to see uh, circuit breakers in action that were brought in in 2012 after the flash crash that happened two years earlier. Uh, There are circuit breakers for the whole market and then there are also circuit breakers for individual stocks. Basically, they halt trading for a period if there is too much of a decline. Actually, for individual stocks, uh, they also halt trading if there is too much of a rise. Notably on Monday, Ford saw its stock halted in both directions because it rose by 5% within a five-minute period then it also fell by 5% within a five-minute period. So in both cases, a circuit breaker came in and stopped trading. So, so what are IR departments generally up to when the markets are moving so dramatically like this? When I've checked in on IR teams during this kind of volatility, I tend to hear two kinds of views. Um, on the one hand, some are receiving lots of calls, often from internal people like management, to find out what's going on with the stock. Uh, given that IRAs ask these kind of questions a lot of the time, you know, it makes sense for them to understand you know, all of these various different stock market rules that we've just been talking about, circuit breakers and so on. So they have a bit of an idea what's going on, even if they can't really do anything about it. But on the other hand, uh, for a lot of teams, it's actually quite a quiet period, despite all of the drama taking place out there in, in the market. Uh, you can imagine investors and analysts have got plenty to think about at a time like this. And so IR, IR teams may actually not have many people to talk to. I spoke to one IRO in Southeast Asia late on Monday, and he said he'd been calling various people, but no one was picking up their phones. Um, he said it's the opposite of what normally happens. Normally, he's receiving lots of calls, but on Monday, he was trying to call everyone else. He had at least managed to work out that his largest shareholders weren't pulling out the stock in a, in a major way, and that was the main thing he wanted to check up on. And didn't you also say you had a saying exactly to fit this kind of situation? Well, he, he, said, he told me to remember that for every seller, there is a lucky buyer, which is um, a way to make him feel better as the stock market declines. Although given the general direction of Asian stocks over the last week, I'm not sure if there have been many lucky buyers uh, so far. Makes it sound a bit like the lottery, really. Well, yes, I think some markets are a bit more like a lottery than others. And certainly the, uh, the Chinese one uh, fits that, I think. So the IROs who used to get a lot of call from analysts and, uh, and uh, not much contact internally are, are suddenly swamped with uh, employees who have stock options and wondering uh, how low they've, they've gone. <laughs> uh, well, Ghana, you might have a bit more advice for IROs who need to share some information internally, which might help those in Condisa's situation, but particularly those who are trying to get in touch with the board, I believe. Actually, rather than um, looking into this myself, um, I have been reading an article that Doug Fox, who's now semi-retired, but actually led the IR program at UST tech firm Zebra for 17 years has written for us on the two-way flow of information in IR and he actually kicks off his article by saying that IROs can learn from the neural connected pilots in the 2013 film Pacific Rim. He says quote this connection is a good lesson for the investor relations officer in how to add strategic value to the IR role. Who knew that Guillermo de Toro had snuck in a lesson for investor relations officers in that robot stomping film? Exactly. (laughs) So Doug says that while it is, of course, well understood that IR is about conveying timely, accurate information to investors, equally important is the flow of information from investors to the company. 
He says, quote, As a company's face to Wall Street, the IRO is uniquely positioned for this two-way street to provide the company's board and management with insight into the sentiment and concerns investors have regarding the company. And this is an age of greater accountability as well as increased investor activism, he says, and argues that this upward flow of information from IR to the board and senior management can actually inform deliberations and help minimise the company's vulnerability to activist attacks. He advises IROs to offer regular reports on IR activities. He recommends doing this quarterly, as well as following any significant events, I suppose, such as those we've seen in the past week. And Doug adds that a document relaying the latest investor concerns doesn't need to be a mammoth task, rather that these issues can often be boiled down to a handful at any given time. Uh, so what, what sort of issues does he recommend that are included in these reports? In the article, he actually covers nine areas that he feels should be picked up for the board and why, including short interest, financial media exposure, regulation and, of course, IR activities. For example, he says, quote, a summary of IR activities undertaken during the quarter and the schedule of activities for the upcoming period help keep management and the board informed. It is particularly useful to highlight those activities that support the strategic goals for IR, such as building sell-side coverage and meeting with targets on the buy side. Talking about regulation, he notes that, quote, a regular IR report is an excellent place to highlight and explain developments in regulations affecting IR practice. RegFD and Sarbanes-Oxley are examples of legislation that materially change some companies' approach to IR. Developments such as increased scrutiny of executive compensation and other corporate governance issues are other topics worthy of discussion. And most relevant to the past week, um, he says that stock price performance should also make it into this board report, with IR able to offer more depth than a simple chart. He says, quote, Who better than the IRO to have the pulse on the factors influencing a company's stock price? That was very interesting. Um, I, I wonder if there's any other films that could inspire IROs to, to do their jobs differently. Is that the one takeaway you took from it, rather than the, you know, the really useful tips he gave for sharing information with the board? It's all about the films that have a lesson for IR. Maybe we could do a series of them. Wall Street 1, Wall Street 2. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to think outside the box. We need to find some more Pacific Rim-style IR movies. That can be our goal for next week. There's one excellent Homework. one called The uh, Margin Call. About the, the, the financial crisis. Maybe we could have it as a first challenge for the Ticket Podcast. We all have to go away and find a Hollywood movie with some parallels to investor relations that we can, you know, extol easily in the podcast. That's a great idea. <laughs> it's the most fun we're going to have for weeks. With our bank it. holiday coming up. Yeah, Plenty exactly. of time to Plenty of time to uh, watch, watch a couple of extra and take some more notes than exactly. you usually would. Hello, hello, IMBD. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any suggestions of your own, do remember you can send them in to us. You can email them to editorial at irmagazine.com or you can tweet them to us at, at IR Magazine. We can even pop them on our LinkedIn page, I believe, where we're going to be taking a bit more of an active role um, recently because apparently that's where all the kids are. As always, you can listen to the show and subscribe on SoundCloud. Uh, but that's all for this week. We'll be back next time with our film suggestions and a full again pod in the IR Magazine studios. But thanks everyone, Tim, Condice, and Garnet for joining us. Thank thanks you, Larry. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app.